Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. Fumbled the bag, I still ain't got that disappointment to shake. So now I'm trying to double up on every dollar I make. Money don't buy you happiness, it sure don't take it away. I'm smiling hard as hell, every time I step in the bank. We can't be making reckless moves, cause there's so much at stake. When you got some shit to lose. Your decisions gon' change Cause every action got a consequence Consider your ways Hardest thing to do in life Is elevate through your pain I can relate to feeling like Your life is stuck in the face Giving effort but results Just keep remaining the same Have some patience with yourself Shit ain't as bad as you claim I seen the homeless nigga smile While he was standing in rain It's all about perspective I'm chilling, catching blessings And cryptocurrency been busting And I'm well invested She know that if she rock with me Then she gon' stay protected Cause even when this shit get hectic I ain't never stressing I'm legend I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste, I'm putting food on place. Mill. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy David Bellard, one fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking on my co-host Jalen. How you feeling, my brother? What up? What up? What up? It's your boy Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Feeling good, feeling great, man. I cannot complain. This Texas heat is just hot as hell. That's the only complaint I got. Hey man, it's, it's summertime, man. It was about time, man. You know it was coming. <laughs> I'm oh, ready man. for the summer. It's going to get hotter, though. I get, this is the tip of the iceberg, my brother. I, I like this, man. Okay. I want oh, my man to be popping. Let okay. me get that sunlight in, man. You okay, know what I'm sir. It's summertime. Why do you like that? It's disrespectfully hot out there. mentally ill. I'm not mentally ill, man. I just love the melanin in the skin I'm in, man. You know? Hey, man, I got God, a lot of this. I got a lot of melanin, but, man, it's still hot. <laughs> Jared, what's good over there? My brother Jared just popped in. How you doing, bro? What's good? What's good? It's your boy Jared, another fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance. Check it in, man. I'm feeling good on this Saturday. Ready to get into this podcast, man. Uh, real excited about the guests we got on today. Been doing a little research on her. This is going to be crazy today, all the stuff we're about to get into. Yeah, man. Yeah, this lady is precious. Yes, bro. Like, sir. Like I said, whenever we were talking off camera, we just had, I ran over across her on the internet like a while back. And ever since then, just been loosely following her. And the thing she's doing is amazing. But before I get to introducing her, y'all want to ask that y'all leave that five-star rating and review. Yeah. If you are a new listener to the Black Wolf Renaissance podcast, give us some feedback. We love hearing from you all. And with that said, like my brother Jerry was just saying, so on this week's episode, y'all, we have a former Wall Street analyst and financial education specialist who's currently in Paris right now, just living her best life, you know, doing her thing. She is the owner of Empify Miss Ashley M. Fox. Ashley, how you doing? I am excellent. How are you? <laughs> Ashley, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. Thank you so much. Like David said, we appreciate you taking some time out 
I don't know if it's like a vacation or it's just a lifestyle, but we appreciate you for taking some time out of your day to come kick it with us and really just get some game, drop some gems, and we're going to be able to highlight your story. Sir. Absolutely. I'm excited. And for those who aren't familiar with you, can you just give us a background of you and how do you even get into this financial analyst on Wall Street? So I loved math and I loved business and I wanted to go to the best HBCU in the world, Howard University. And so I went to Howard and I got exposed to Wall Street. I found out how much they paid and I was just enamored with the look, the corporate feel. And so when I was at Howard, I had four internships and three of them, I worked at Wall Street Investment Banks. And so I realized this is the life that I want. I want to have one of the highest paying jobs out of school. So I really did it for money. Mm. And so I got into that career, landed my dream job working on Wall Street in asset management. So my job was to work with individuals that made at least $25 million. So I literally saw the ins and outs to what wealthy people did with their life, their money, everything. It was a really, really great experience. And I loved my team. But I would say about eight months in, I wasn't the same Ashley that I was who wanted that job. So I was a bad employee. I wasn't motivated. And I was just really confused because I did everything I could to be in that position. But I wasn't doing everything to stay in that position. But what I did do was study our clients. So I started to read a lot of the books that they were reading. I was just kind of studying them and what they were doing. And I started to really think like, hey, in order for me to be the client, you can't just be on the other end of the table. You have to create something because all of our clients, you know, I had one of the highest paying jobs out of school making six figures, but none of our clients were doing what I was doing. And I felt like in order to have that type of wealth, I needed to create something. And so I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew who I wanted to be. And being from Philly, going back home, people thought I was rich. So, by, you know, I'm traveling the world. I'm doing all types of things. I'm wearing a nice clothes. All the things that I thought made me feel good, mm-hmm. it, it made me look good on the outside. And But I realized we had no real concept of what true wealth looks like. And it was a complete disconnect from a mentality standpoint. And it was like, you shouldn't have to major in finance, work on Wall Street to get exposed to what I got exposed to. And so I wanted to be that connection to Wall Street and give people the tools and resources they need that Wall Street gave its wealthy clients. And so I ended up leaving my job July 12, 2013, with the intent to be that universal language that the world could connect with because nobody really, you know, I mean, how many people actually want to work on Wall Street, especially now? This was back in 2010 when I was working on Wall Street. Wall Street was in back then. It's not as in, especially in the Black community, like it was back then. And so I kind of just evolved from there. And I wanted to create this thing that took people from where they are and made them stronger into the people they deserve to be, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that meant. I just knew what it felt like. So I really was just chasing this feeling. I didn't want the perfect person who had all the money. I wanted the person who truly didn't believe that they could have wealth in this country and really show them how to build it. And so I became a financial advisor when I quit my job, targeting low to moderate income people because I had a bunch of securities licenses and I was great. But also nobody tells you when you run a business, you don't make money every two weeks. So I was still living a Wall Street lifestyle and having that mindset running a business. So I ended up losing everything. So I got evicted from my Harlem apartment, maxed out credit cards, negative bank accounts. And I had to go back to Philly. So that's actually how I got back to Philly. I never really wanted to go back, but I had to move back to Philly, slept on my parents' couch for two years, just building my business. And so built that business, built a six-figure business, had a fancy office, had a team, and I was unhappy again. I felt like God put me here for something bigger because when you're a financial advisor, you can only talk to so many people on a daily basis. And it's like, mm-hmm. what happens to that single mom in Texas, you know, who can't get in contact with Ashley, but deserves to get the education and resources that Ashley's given the world? And I just felt like I hit a ceiling. And then I started to teach kids. So literally, like, I hit a ceiling. I was crying every day. I started drinking red wine. 
I was just really literally in this place of like, well, what's next? Like I felt the same way I felt on Wall Street and I hit a ceiling. And so I started to teach kids. And for about a year or so, we were implementing programs in the school system for free because I didn't, you know, I've never taught kids. I didn't have children. I still don't have children. I'm an auntie. But I felt like I was dealing with a lot of mentally and financially broken adults. And it's like in order to prevent that is if you teach a child. And so I started to teach middle school students. And then that following year, 2017, we got a contract with the school district. And that was the first year Empify made any money. And so I created the word Empify, which is the word empower and modify merge together. Because I didn't want what I wanted to give the world to be about money. Because without the right mindset, our bank accounts won't be right. When you grow, your bank account grows. And for me, I wanted to shift the mindset. So I wanted to give you the education, but also empower you. Because when you get the education and you're empowered, it creates a mental shift in who you are. And that's where Modify comes from. And that was the first year that Empify generated any revenue. And so if we fast forward to today, we're both the brick and mortar and online platform. We just launched our Wealth Builders Community app, which is literally like the Netflix of finance. People from all over the world come together learning how to build wealth. We have programs in the school system, whether it's in, we're now in Philadelphia, Atlanta, as well as New York. We've also taught in the prison system. And so for me, it's just providing that holistic experience, connecting both the child and the adult in this wealth generation mentality. Because again, if you don't really grow up around money, you're not really taught how to make money, manage money, or invest money. But if you grow up around wealth, that's the lifestyle you're used to. But if you grew up in poverty, you're passing down generational poverty, you're passing down generational debt, and it's a mental shift that our culture needs. And I just wanted to be the person to do it. And so I just made up this word so that nobody knew it was about money, so that nobody could, you know, because I really couldn't figure out what is it that you want to give the world? Because it's not about money. Like I always wanted to be a teacher. The teachers never made money. So I went the finance route. I wanted to major in psychology and understand and serve people. But in order to make the kind of Wall Street money I wanted, I needed to have a master's or a doctorate. And so when it all came together, I'm literally the teacher, the psychologist and the money woman in one. And that's ultimately what we give to adults and children. That is precious. That, that's what, man, I got so much I want to get into with you because you <laughs> that was just dope, like the entire story from beginning to end. And I kind of we always want to hop back to the beginning with everything. That's kind of like we love looking at the roots of it. And I, you started off like you went to Wall Street because you can make money. You said you got those internships for a lot of people. How do you get those internships on Wall Street? Right. Like, oh, I was you, a, well, I was a beast, first off. Like, I'm unlearning this, but I'm like a natural born overachiever. And it's actually not healthy. So, I- hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker, it's about diving into a world of endless possibilities. From the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. I'm trying to unlearn that. And because I was that person who succeeded, succeeded, but I was never happy. Now I'm in a different space. But I would say when it comes to getting internships, I was very clear why I went to college. I was very clear on what I wanted to get out of college. I was Mm -hmm. obsessed with the library, like the popping library at Howard. 
at the health and science library where nobody went, right? So I knew that. Got two libraries? Yeah, yeah. I feel like and, <laughs> in order to get on Wall Street, I was competing with the Harvard and Yales of the world. Mm-hmm. Every company has to have black people. So if you're going to come to my school, you are going to find the best black woman there. And so I knew like I had to have great grades. I knew I had to have extracurricular activities and I needed experience. So I applied to every program. I was in inroads my first year. I worked at Johnson and Johnson. So when I specifically Washington doesn't hire until sophomore year. So mm-hmm. I knew I needed something under my belt freshman year. So I got into inroads, worked at Johnson and Johnson. So that was a reputable name. So like, okay, all of these companies are going to hire me. And to be honest, to be really honest, I actually taught myself finance. Like I think finance is actually boring. I like taught myself and I got coached by people on how to do finance interviews. Like they'll ask you what's on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. I made sure I knew. Like, you know, like, so I like convinced myself that Wall Street was who I was supposed to be. And that's why it was very hard to detach from it because that was my identity. Like I identified like, hey, I am Ashley Fox. I work at JP Morgan Chase. I'm a Howard University. Like all those external things validated who I was because I was actually broken on the inside and I didn't like who I was. And because success validated me to the world, that was good enough until it wasn't good enough because it got to a point when I got kicked out of my apartment, it was like, well, how the hell are you going to teach people about a subject that you don't even have? You know, you have no place to live. You have nothing. Well, who are you without wall street? Who are you without money? And I really kind of hit rock bottom. But when you hit rock bottom, the only direction you can go is forward. And I think what I held onto was what I saw on Wall Street. And I think that's the difference. Like I've had, you know, there are multiple people in finance. I didn't read this in a book. Like, this is what I lived. Like I, you know, me investing for my niece, it was because I saw how wealthy people can avoid paying taxes if you skip generations and pass that. So you don't pass down the wealth to your kids, you give it to your grandkids and they can avoid millions of dollars in taxes. And it was like, you know, God forbid something happened to you today, the people on, you know, our clients on Wall Street were passing down to their kids, kids, kids. And it's like, you know, if you pass away, this is when at the time I didn't have my own life insurance. And it's like, you pass away, well, what are you leaving your family? You can't sit here and work in this career and keep rich people rich, but you don't embody what it is you're trying to give the next billionaire. And for me, it's like, well, I may not be able to start with a hundred million, but let me start with a hundred dollars. I may not be able to give my kid a trust fund, but I can create a portfolio that can be put into a trust fund. And so for me, like, I mean, I literally sat and looked at millionaires and billionaires bank accounts all day. Like there are celebrities, you know, I could type in their name and see all of their assets. And it was like, this is what they did. I saw the money that was coming in. I would sit with their kids and you got the trust fund baby that, you know, wants to work in the business. You got the trust fund baby that uses drugs and they just living off millions of dollars that daddy gave to them. And I studied daddy and I realized daddy didn't work on Wall Street. He either owned a bank, invested in the bank or started his own business. And it's like, how do I get that to our community? But it's like, well, I can't. Before I even got into my community, it was like, you need to be this person. Like when you're in it, like, I mean, I also got exposed to a life of luxury. Like I flew to the south of France and rented a yacht because that's where rich people go for the summer. I grew up going to the shore. Rich people go to the south of France and rent a yacht in Antigua. Like, so for me, it was like, right now. (laughs) Yes, no. <laughs> when I worked on Wall Street, at that time, I've been to Cancun, Vegas, and Miami. Mm-hmm. And if you're Black and you've been to Cancun, Vegas, and Miami, you're pretty lit. But when I started, they would, they would go to places I'd never even heard of. And I hate being a dummy in room. So, like, we used to play this game that, like, where you had to memorize where all the countries were around the world, and we would race. And I would just study because it's like, 
you know, people traveling to Switzerland for the weekend. You know where Switzerland is, but because I saw a wealthy person do it, for me, it's like success leaves clues. I don't got to build a blueprint. The blueprint is your career. Mm. So I started to do what wealthy people did. Like, you know, I went to go play golf. I traveled to the south of France. I went to Europe. Like, I started to invest. I started to do what I saw them doing. But it's because it's like, if you could do it, and I could sit here and meet you, look at your account, put together all your presentations around all of your finances. Well, why can't I do that? And so some people would have taken it as a, you know, for everybody around you has money, you would feel inferior. I did feel inferior, especially because I was the only black girl. But I felt like, well, I could do this. And then when people saw me doing it, I was like, you have no idea. Me buying my first stock. People who make my annual salary in a dividend off of one stock, and they got 50 of them in a the portfolio. You think, we have no real concept of it. Mm-hmm. But only so many people could walk into that building and walk to my floor. Because you had less than 25 million, we sent you downstairs. Like, you weren't working with my team. And so in my mind, it's like, well, what if we only have a thousand? You can't walk to the bank and say, hey, bank, I want to learn how to invest. You can't grow up in the school system because you're not going to learn financial education. And your parents do the best that they can do. Yet we all aspire to live the life and have the freedom that a wealthy person has. But this country isn't designed to nurture you. So it's just like, well, let me figure this out. And then people looked at me and it was like, hey, I'm kind of good at what I do. And it just evolved into that. But it was always a feeling that I had. And when I let go of the money, I was way happier. And then I started to make more money than what Wall Street was paying me. And it was like, well, this makes sense. But once I let go of like, do this for money, I got to a point where I did what felt right to Ashley. So me being in Paris, this is what feels right in this moment Mm -hmm. in my life. I don't operate off of logic. I operate off of feeling. When we operate off of logic, we're operating out of survival. We're operating out of fear. When you listen to your mind versus your heart, you're going based off past experiences. For me, I follow my heart and just know that this is what's going to work. And I've just learned to just trust that process, which is scary and not easy to do. But I think I first did it when I left my Wall Street career. And it was like, you know, figured it out, been kicked out before. We're going to figure this out. Again, also go to a lot of therapy. I have a spiritual advisor. So there's a lot of work that's being and has been done on Ashley as a person Mm -hmm. that has gotten me to this mental space. Because, again, I did Wall Street for money. Like, I'm not even going to lie. That was the money. Yeah, like, and then when I let go of that, it's like this isn't fun. Like, if Wall Street got paid, what teachers got paid, where people wouldn't be on Wall Street. Hell no. Yeah, and that's how you know you're not doing it for the right reasons. But we convince ourselves that that is the way out because society glorifies what it looks like on the outside. My resume looks good, but Ashley's actually better if you took away the resume. And I think it takes a certain type of person to like themselves more than they like the accolades. And the things that are on their resume. Mm, came through here preaching. <laughs> dropping gems, bro. Yeah, yeah. Ashley, you talking about that dark time just now, and I kind of want to go like back into that for you. I know it's we mm-hmm. going through. So no, it's okay. Whenever you get kicked out and all these things, how was it looking to build your business after moving back to Philly? Like, what was the start for you? Like, you're like, okay, I'm on my parents' couch. I'm, I didn't hit rock bottom. What was my first step out of rock bottom? I just kept going. I mean, I cried every day. Mm-hmm. So there's two, I always tell people, there's two of us. We got the voices in your head. And if you're real strong, you can hear the voices in your head. So one of you is listening and one of you is talking. I was so in my head that I was listening to those thoughts. It's different now. But back then I was in my head. So that's why I was so sad. That's why I was so broken. 
I remember being featured on the and I was featured on Jim Cramer's History. I had no website. I just made up this random word. And people just wanted to interview me because I quit my job on Wall Street. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But my interview had like went all over the internet. And I freaked out. Like, I was like, I didn't ask to be famous. I didn't even know you could steal somebody's article from another website and put it on your, I didn't know any of that. And I think what really, really got me was the results I was seeing in the people that I was serving. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't believe in Ashley. I believed in what I was giving to the world. And the game started to change when I believed in Ashley. The money's different when you believe in you. I mm-hmm. always believed in Empify. Always, 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 always. Empify's light is what kept me going. And it's because I saw wealth. Like literally every day, like I sat courtside at basketball games, wherever you sit when it's considered courtside at Yankees games. Like I was around money. Like I was around it. And I like convinced myself, this is a life I deserve. Like, so I'm going to immerse myself in this. And because I saw it, like it wasn't something I read. It was something I saw every day, literally for over three years. And it's like, it became a part of who I was. And so I think in the beginning, I didn't believe in Ashley, which is why it hurt. And I didn't believe in Ashley, which is why money, it took some time for money to come. But I believed in what Ashley was able to give the people she served. Because if I could teach you, you don't even know what a stock is. And I can sit here and tell you what a generational trust is and all the ways that wealthy people avoid paying taxes. I'm literally on lesson 20 and I'm trying to get you to lesson number one. So I knew my education level I was capable of delivering. And what being a financial advisor taught me was I started to understand the thought process and fears that people have around money. Mm -hmm. I sat in front of thousands. I sit in the Marriott Lounge downtown because there was free Wi-Fi. I would sit and talk to people all day. Like I would read body language. I could tell people were lying to me. I can literally can talk to you for 10 minutes and tell you all about your life and your money just because I understand you as a person. And so I got really good at communicating because in the beginning, I was a Wall Street analyst. I've talked to you like that. People don't understand that. Sometimes it actually frightens people. So I had to learn how to serve you emotionally so that I can educate you financially. And then when I started to teach kids, then I got really good because when I could teach an eight-year-old how to buy a stock, I definitely could teach an adult how to do it. But teaching kids is a different ball game. But it's also easier to teach a kid because a kid has less conditioning, less fear, and less trauma attached to their mentality. Adults are broken. If you believe you can't travel the world and that narrative and that's what you're surrounded by, you gave up on that. There are people who gave up on taking their trip to Paris. But in my mind, it's like, no, I've seen people go. I know it's possible. And I've done it. So I know you can do it. So I literally got good at making people believer in themselves. And I think the, the more impact that I actually started to make, the more I started to believe in myself. And I remember the first time I went on TV, I liked it, but I was really scared. And the fact that I liked it, let me know where my life was, what my life was turning into. And I was like, I wouldn't survive that. I don't know if I would have an anxiety attack. Like I know where this is going and I like being on TV and I have to get help because the way that my life is set it, I'm not going to last. Cause I would get really overwhelmed with anxiety mm-hmm. because I was working on the inside. And so I started to go to therapy and therapy helped me get to the root of like, well, here's why you don't think you're good enough or here's why you have anxiety. And I think that allowed me to realize, hey, that was a narrative and things you experienced in your past that doesn't define who you are. And then you get to a point where you realize those voices in your head are there to protect you, but it's a narrative that you've been told over and over and over again as a child, what society emphasizes, what your environment magnifies, but that's not who you are. And when you can start to see 
and pay attention to the voices, you realize you are actually the listener of the voices. You are watching the movie of your life. And when you can do that, you can kind of dictate what you want your life to be like. And so those voices still exist, but it's just like, a, hey, it's okay. Like, hey, you are good enough. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to figure control, this out. You have control over these voices. They're not just, right. yeah. Right, but the voices are your subconscious. It's like my little Ashley's talking like, hey, I know why you think you're not good enough. Like, you know, like, it's okay. You know, like, or a lot of things we learn from our parents. That was daddy's story. That's not yours. Mm-hmm. You're grown now. What do you want your story to look like? I remember the first time I traveled for 30 days for my 30th birthday, people were looking at me like I was crazy. And it's just like, no, you think that's crazy. But this is normal to me. And that is okay. And I think it takes a lot of strength and mental fortitude to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. And not everybody is capable of doing it. But again, we talking about four or five years of like intentionally growing Ashley to get me to this point. And as I evolved, you could see the transformation in me as a person emotionally, physically, business-wise, financially. But in the beginning, it was the people. They kept me going. I saw their success and they thought I was good. And I was like, you have no idea. I'm getting kicked out of an apartment helping you, but I know I can help you, but I don't know about getting kicked out of this apartment. And it was like, I was hiding who I was. And the moment I started to tell my story, it was like, it's no longer a secret. I got out the eviction, but you ain't know I was going through it. But like people could never tell. And I do believe that pieces of me believed in Ashley just mm-hmm. not as much as I believe in myself today. Mm. And I'm glad that you're bringing up all of this psychological and this stuff that happens within, because a lot of times, a lot of people in America are broken. A lot of mm-hmm. people don't even know who we truly are. A lot of people, like you said, we've been placed so many self-limiting beliefs because it's two things. So like you said, you have grownups who have their past experiences that push it down on you. But at the same time, they're also trying to protect you because of their past experiences. Mm -hmm. And then there's also times whenever you have tried certain things and you have failed and you weren't met with positive reinforcements about the failures. You were met with, "Hmm, I told you so, or I don't even know why you tried that. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not what we do. And I'm glad that you brought up all of that because a lot of times we don't understand how those past experiences can affect us and how they can actually really mold you into something that you're not. A lot of people, we don't even know who we really are once we're in our mid twenties going into thirties, like you said, and especially in our community therapy, therapy is like a taboo. Like if I tell someone I'm going to therapy, Oh, what's wrong with you? Why are you going to therapy? Like something might be wrong, but why do you have to meet me with that type of, stigma Mm -hmm. or that type of narrative? Why can't it just be like, oh, I'm happy you're getting help? Oh, how has therapy helped you improve? Like, what was something that you learned about yourself this week in therapy? You learning that, how can I be a person to not trigger that off again? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't understand all of those things. And like you said, it's not about the wealth. It's really about self. You got to understand who you are on the inside and really be truly happy. And I said all of that to say, you said you were sleeping on the couch for two years. So within that first year, within you going through your journey, how did you, the positivity, keeping that going through from sleeping on the sofa, how did you see yourself change within that? So there's a lot of like, I don't call it weird. There's just like stuff that I do to like trick myself into being happy and loving myself. I think the first year was rough. So the first year, no. First year I was in denial. I actually slept on the couch because I wasn't moving in. 
I accept I'm not moving in at all. Like, and then I got to a point where it's like, yeah, you're going to be here for a little minute. So I like unpacked my brother's room and I like cleaned it and I slept there. But then it got to a point where I would be really sad. I also had like a 2008 Hyundai Elantra and I just, it was my college car. We talking like 2007, I had a car for what, seven, eight years. And like, I started to feel unworthy, but I was successful in my business. So I was making money. I was driven. I had a team. I had a support system. I had awards. And I always posted my journey on social media. So like people came because I was Ashley. I never in my life ever solicited, I can help you with your money. I'm a financial advisor. Because I feel like for me, at least, when you put out there that someone needs help with a subject that they're uncomfortable with, the right people aren't going to come. People will come when they're ready. And so I got people at a point where they exhausted all their options. Because the first year, I think I made like 70 grand in business. I don't know how I didn't feel it, but I made like 70 grand. And the second year, I crossed six figures. But the second year, I got to a point where like, I want to open an office. So like I had this fancy office opening, which was the worst business decision I ever made. Hmm. Had this office opening, had a team, got dressed. I had to hire an assistant. And then I'm just like, all right, get your outside life together or your inside life. So at this time, I wanted to get a new car. And so I was either going to get a four series BMW or five series. I was going to get an E-Class. I found like the middle part of all luxury vehicles. So I used to test drive cars. And whenever I would drive my Hyundai Elantra, I would envision. So by this time, I realized I wanted a Mercedes E-Class. And I would envision driving my E-Class. It was white because my car was black. I went the complete opposite. I would be driving. I would envision I was walking into my own apartment. And so like I used to like do things to put me in a space of what it is that I desire. And I would feel the feeling. I mean, I still do this to this day. Like I want to move to New York. I have literally been doing apartment viewings in New York for the past year and a half, two years, like in like luxury apartments that like make me feel uncomfortable. But like the car that I drive now literally was my dream car two years ago. And it's crazy. Cause like, I'm about to like take it to Atlanta and like rent it out. Cause I don't want to bring it to New York, but I test drove that car four times. I built that car every two weeks when I sat at the hairdresser and I would put myself in a space of feeling the feeling of having the things I desire because I didn't fully believe it. And I truly believe that we have things we desire, but if your desires don't match your belief, it's never going to happen. So we may say, I want to be a millionaire, but you don't walk, talk, or have the ability to spend and manage a million dollars. It's like, if you can't save a dime out of a dollar, you'll never save a million out of 10. So in my mind, and I realized too, like me getting to a space where I believe I could be a millionaire. Like it's literally like me and a million dollars. I don't know, whatever that gap is, It's just me that's the issue. It ain't the business. It's my belief. But then it's just like, do you have business expenses that accommodate a million dollars? So when I try to do it and I can't get there, well, no. Well, I guess that's why you're not a millionaire. Like, you don't know what it feels like to be there. You don't attract what you want. You attract who you are. So I want to be a millionaire, but my belief is I can't be one. My belief is what if I had that much money and I mess it up? My belief is I'm not good enough. Well, that's why you don't have it. You know what I'm saying? So like, in my mind, if when I recognize that disconnect, well, girl, you better do what millionaires do. Millionaires do not not know how much their business is making. Millionaires are, are not forgetting bills. Like, you got to start taking this serious. Mm. And it's like, you got to walk into the space that you want. And so I used to do those things. I've been doing it, like, literally since then. But now it's even more important because I can recognize, like, I was talking to my spiritual advisor today. And I'm like, I got money blocks. And it's about making money. I feel like I'm confused. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. 
that will only get you the rapper Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. But I know I got what it takes, but it's a block. We need to clear all of this up. We need to clear all this up. And there's different things that like I push aside, things that I won't do that have nothing to do with money. Mm. And it's like how you do one thing is how you do everything. Like I remember people were paying me late and I would just be like, everybody's paying me late. I don't understand. I'm doing so good for the world. She like, well, where do you show up late? And I was like, and so that's when I realized like you're only attracting what you're putting out. So how about you pay people early? And after that, through the long people stopped calling the house, everybody was getting their money early. I was getting paid early. I was getting paid up front. And I started to really see how when I change, everything around me changes. So for me, it's just like put yourself in those uncomfortable spaces until it's no longer uncomfortable, it becomes a part of who you are. So like me traveling the world, you know, six, seven years ago might have felt, you know, how do you do like that's not even, but to me, this is normal. To people, it sounds exciting. This, like when you ask me, am I working on my vacation? This is, I'm just doing both. Like, this is my life. Really? Like, I bought a one-way ticket. Like, whatever my spirit says, I'm going to do it. But this is my normal. And it's like, well, make millions of dollars your normal. But in order to do that, you got to immerse yourself in that. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. But I purposely put myself in those situations. Like, being here is like, you want to say the Airbnb? It is a little cheaper. But I kind of like the fact that somebody cleans my room every day and changes my towels and the concierge is downstairs. They can tell me where I want to go. I like that luxury. So I'll pay for that luxury because I deserve that luxury. Why go on a budget when you can be abundant? Think like that and the money's going to come and take care of itself. Mm. Jams. So <laughs> now you, you mentioned in thinking in abundance and I kind of want to go back to whenever you were starting the financial planning for the, mm-hmm. with the target on low income people, right? You mentioned that they had those money blocks. They mm-hmm. had to overcome some of those things. So can you get into like maybe what are some of the most common money blocks that you've seen in those types of people and some of the ways that you can get over it? Because I feel like a lot of what you just shared. I'll be honest, I feel like I'm in the money block right now. We are, but you have to realize if you do not have what you desire, you are the only thing that needs to change. You don't got to work harder. You just change. I made more money in life doing less work than when I was slaving all day, every day, trying to build my financial advisory business. Money just started to come out of nowhere. And it's just like, but it's also when you let go, when you're not trying to put in work because you don't have, it's like you chase the money. What are you, you're chasing it because you don't have it. Therefore, you're not okay with who you are. You want more. When I let go and just accept it, this is going to come. And I'm going to just allow it to come versus having, you don't have, you ever think, think about it. How many of you, like, you know people that work really, 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 really hard, right? Mm-hmm. People that work really, really, really hard don't have a lot of money. And the people who, look like who appear that anybody work really hard, they got all the money. It has nothing to do with their work ethic. It has to do with their identity. The reason that the majority of billionaires are Caucasian men, one, they have the most confidence in the world. I remember talking to my mentor and he was like, you need to start raising money. You need to take on investors. He wants to be an investor. He literally says, I need you to have the confidence of a mediocre white man because you over here talking yourself out of your success. And I was like, well, I don't. And I think that's the one Interesting thing to think about Donald Trump. He don't care about nobody, but he's the most confident man fuck. walking. He could be wrong. He, and it's just like, it's my business in my life. And it's just like, for some reason, 
these confident people get the things that they believe in, yet we don't think we're deserving, which is why we don't have. If we stop thinking, now again, I don't think it's just us, because we do live in a country that nurtures our less than mentality. Society does not amplify the greatness in Black mm-hmm. women, in Black men, period. It does everything to, to literally minimize your belief in yourself, right? But you got to understand the reason that that's being done is because you were superior and strongest from the beginning. It's no reason to cheat in the system if you're qualified to deliver in the system. The reason the system was built, I mean, in all honesty, think about when you cheated on the test. You cheated because you didn't know. So, and, and, you know, they got a head start because they weren't prepared. If we were not a threat, it wouldn't be an issue. We are greater than we actually believe, but because society has literally created this narrative that we're less than, we choose to believe it because we don't have the confidence to tell us that we're worthy. But we're talking about generational pain that's been passed down year after year. So why would you know how to love yourself? Why would you think you were good enough? And the same thing with me, like, why would I even know that? And so one of the things is we don't have to believe it. If you go sit and talk to a kid now, what does money look like? My kids will tell me it's a white man in a trench coat. And you know what? I don't look like them. So I don't see myself in that. So I don't, I can't invest. You need a lot of money to invest. Well, where'd you get that idea from? Because the white men in the trench coat, they have a lot of money. My mom, my dad, what I've seen, they don't invest. So why would I think that I could do it? Well, I see me in a basketball player or another athlete or a rapper. That's why we all aspire to be that. But in all honesty, they go broke too, because you give somebody who was uneducated, who didn't have the resources, who was less than from the beginning, confidence to obtain the money yet when they get it because it's not who they are they end up losing the money you got to change the person not the dollar amount that's why lottery winners go broke like think about people who want to go win the lottery you want to find a way to beat the system to make extra money you know wealthy people don't play the lottery like no wealthy person pays. they probably own the damn business that like they don't play the lottery i don't need to play a game i can create the wealth myself we don't want to believe in ourselves enough to go out and do it. And for me, it's like, who told you you couldn't do it? Who told you you needed a lot of money? Where did that belief come from? I don't have enough. I can't be enough. That is a a belief. And a belief is nothing but a thought you told yourself over and over and over and over again. Muslims believe something. Christians believe something. Buddhists believe something. Those are just thoughts that they chose to believe. I think we need to spend a majority of our time unlearning the beliefs that we have and relearning the thoughts that actually will serve us. What if, in fact, I can build wealth? What if, in fact, I can show you all the ways why you don't need a lot of money and you can do it. But now I'm competing with years of trauma against my little belief in you. You got to be around that every day for it to for it to convince you that it's possible. But you can come work with Equify competing with your TV, your Instagram, your household. Everything supports your lack of self-worth. So for me, it's just like, that's why we created the Wealth Winners community. It's just like, just come in here. You can't say the word broke in my Wealth Winners community. You can't talk down on yourself. I don't care if you got a dividend that's 20 cent. We're going to be excited for you because mm-hmm. that 20 cent could turn into 20,000 as long as you don't stop. So we believe that you can do it, but there's nowhere where you can go to, to start small and somebody loves you and supports you to do that because mm-hmm. we think wealth is some, this big old number. Like, so a whole lot of $5 can turn you into a millionaire, but $5 is less than. Well, who told you that? And again, all of that is beliefs. And it's just like, we don't think we can do it. We, you know, and it, I'll give you another example. Let's do this exercise. And I'm like, imagine you got $20,000 coming in every month. What does your life look like? And like, 
sometimes people don't even sit in that feeling because it seems so far removed from their everyday life. And they're like, you know, I just want a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> but that's what they're used to. So how could you give someone with that mentality a million dollars? They don't have a million dollar mentality. You got to raise your level of thinking to get to that point. And so for me, I can give you all the list of beliefs that people have, the fears that they have, but that doesn't mean that it's who you are. That's just a narrative that you embody because of your surroundings and your surroundings validate your experience. So then you believe it. When in all honesty, it's like, well, well, what if you could be a millionaire? Like, what if you really make $20,000 a month? Like, what if you can do it? Prove to me you can't do it. Like, prove to me. You, there's no evidence that will validate that because it hasn't even happened yet. But we will talk ourselves out of being successful when in all honesty, we are our own limitation. We fight for our limitations every single day. Like people will argue why they can't do something, not even realize like you're not even your own cheerleader. Like how can the country cheerlead you when you don't even think you could do it? How can your family cheerlead you? Like, and I think now when it changes, everybody's in your corner. That's why when everybody get money, they all your friend. Now they believe in you, but it took you believing in you first for everyone around you to believe. And, and I think we just got to realize it's not going to happen on the outside till it happens on the inside. Mm-hmm. Come on, girl. You was over here got it on fire. <laughs> Man, sheesh. I'm sorry, y'all, man. She just, yeah, I'm here with you. And I kind of want to ask one more question just about like your journey. How was it sharing, you know, I have been evicted. This is who I am. How was that actually sharing that with the world and getting that weight off of your shoulder? So the first time it happened, I had a team. And I remember it was around holiday season. It was a girl on my team. And she was kind of, you know, work with clients, make money or something. And she didn't have the money. And she was like, I need to buy my child a jacket. And she was real frustrated because it was cold. She didn't have the money. And so she was talking to this other girl on my team and she was trying to like console her, you know, like help her or whatever. And so the girl, the girl I actually knew on my team, she was like, you don't understand. And I was just like, yes, I do. She was like, you know, like, cause everybody saw me as this, it was my office. Like, you know, everything was glitz and glamour. And I was like, I do understand. And so I don't know how, but I ended up telling her my story. And I broke out in tears, like in tears. And that night I felt like so light. But the next day we had a team meeting and a part of me felt like I was lying if I didn't tell it. Like, mind you, nobody knew about the conversation. And a part of me felt like I was lying if I didn't tell. So I told my team, my whole team was crying. We had a client meeting. And so I'm like, I feel like, you know, she didn't know who I was. I didn't tell her my story. And I felt like I was lying if I didn't tell her. And like, she just got closer to me. And then I started to do speaking engagements and people would be crying in the audience. And I just realized like, it actually brought me closer to the world, but it also freed me of myself. I, I was like, I literally had a coaching call yesterday. She was like, I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so glad you're not a scam. That's what she said to me, right? And I'm like, I just started laughing. She's like, yeah, cause a lot of people out here, everybody want to show you how to do it. So like, I'm so glad you're not a scam. I was like, at this point, sweetheart, can't have time to wear a mask. I don't want to wear it no more. You're going to get everything. Like, I'm going to be very transparent. But the one thing that I don't do, I don't tell people what I'm going through deeply until I got through it. So you didn't know that I got evicted until I got through the eviction. Mm -hmm. But like, even what I'm going through now, or like, you know, why I even want to travel the world and figure out what the hell is going on in my life? Like, you know, I give you the surface, but I don't tell you, I don't tell you why I cry at night or what I write in my journal. But literally this morning I started envisioning me being on this talk show talking about how I where I'm at right now 
and me using that story to tell people about my experience. And so for me, it just feels better. Like I don't got to hide. I don't want to be perfect no more because I'm not. I never thought I was perfect. Mm -hmm. We had more energy spent on convincing you that I was perfect. At this point, like trying to figure out me, damn sure don't care about what you think. This is who I am. And I think as I've been that person, people appreciate it. And it mm-hmm. makes me feel connected. And I also started to think, like I listened to Kevin Hart and Will Smith's Red Table Talk. And I was like, this is really good. And I just love that they were just honest. And I was like, is this And I tell my story? Because you could tell that they, they were talking about, you know, being men and not caring about people's feelings, but having daughters and wives, they got to feel. And they're just focused on winning. And for me, it's like, I don't care about your feelings. Like, I'm a winner. That's how I was. Like, but they talked about how, like, Kevin Hart can't do that with his daughter. He -hmm. can't just not care about his feelings. It, like, it forced him to feel. And we don't feel. We don't release. We're not vulnerable. At this point, I don't know how to not be vulnerable. And when I'm honest, I feel more connected to people. But people feel connected to me. And I feel like I don't, I never wanted to be a celebrity. Like, celebrities you can't touch. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to be somebody of influence. Somebody that's impactful. Because you can touch the person that impacted your life. You can touch the person that influenced your life. You can't touch a celebrity. Like, I love Beyonce. I respect greatness. But before she was a mom, it was nothing that I really could connect with. Except she was beautiful. I was enamored. But you come around Beyonce, you don't even think you're worthy of saying hello. But like a Michelle Obama might be a little different. You get what I'm saying? Like, so for me, I wanted to give you that warm-hearted feel. Mm -hmm. I could be glamorous like a Beyonce. But at the same time, I never want kids to feel like I can't touch her. I can't be her. It's her and then there's me. Like, no, it's us. And we're, we're literally one and the same. And I just want, you know, like, and again, I think when Beyonce had a child, she became a mom. Like, but again, she's great at protecting her, her image, rightfully so. It's what makes her great. But for me, it's like, I don't want you to feel like you can never touch me. Like, I want you to feel like you can be better than me as a person. And so, yeah, so like, that's why I was a little... It, confusing when I was like on TV it's kind of like I don't really want to be this like celebrity person mm-hmm. just wanted to help people you know and change mm-hmm. the world and for some reason I feel like can't nobody do it the way I do it how I do it and so now I'm in too deep even if I try to go back like so I just figure it out along what's up y'all it's your boy David with Blackwell for the song and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor if you haven't heard of Anchor it's the best place to make a podcast Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Wait. Talk that shit. I love it. I love it. I don't know if y'all got something else. I really did like that. That I wanted to reiterate that part that I liked that you said. You wanted to not be untouchable to people. I really think that's impactful, like just on such a deep level, because so many people have those idols, like you said, like a Beyonce or somebody like that, where it's like it's her and them, you know, it's her and me. It's not us. It's not like we can all be the same type of successful person. So I really admire the fact that you molded how you wanted to be perceived by people so that you could be more so of an idol to people, something that they can look up to and grasp. I feel like I need you to know it's okay to get kicked out of places. It's okay to be confused as hell as an entrepreneur. Don't you, and you ever notice too, when those people are honest, 
you feel connected to them. And just like, damn, you go through that too? So for me, it's also therapeutic for me mm-hmm. too. Like it allows me to release. So like sometimes, especially now traveling, like social media, like I'm going to tell y'all what's going on because it ain't all glitz and glamour, but you will see me figure this out. You will see the success that comes from this because I'm not stopping, especially if I let you in this world, we gonna figure this out. But I also need you to know you can figure it out too. Like now, what now people do, like sometimes I don't feel like I want to talk about finance. People text, message me about like, yeah, when I went to therapy, I learned this and I saw this and I thought about you. And like, I'll be on live. People be telling me they crying. I'm like, y'all about to make me cry because y'all crying on live. And we didn't even talk about stocks. I'm turning into, but if we don't work on that piece of us, mm-hmm. we won't evolve financially. I think mm-hmm. we try to like, try to learn, 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 learn. Trying to skip that process. Yeah, like you can learn everything, but if you don't heal from the financial wounds and the identities and issues you have with money, learning everything is not going to fix the problem. Like, again, you don't track what you want, you attract who you are. Like, if you don't pay your bills on time, why do you think you're going to be wealthy? If you sit here still feeling like you're broke, why do you think you're going to be wealthy? If you're only focusing that you got a bunch of bills, why do you think you're going to allow money to come into your life when all you're focusing on is bills? And it's like when we start to really bring awareness to that, people will be like, dang, I really like that too. So for me, it's just like whoever I impact, I want to. I just also think too, we don't have, especially for children, a black woman that can be glamorous like a VR. Don't get me wrong. I like nice stuff. Like you'll never catch me living in a hostel traveling the world. Like I like nice stuff. I believe in private jets, like, but it also came from my Wall Street experience. So my level of what I can obtain came from what I saw every day. But I feel like the Oprah's of the world or the Oprah of the world, <laughs> she's, she's, you know, like I looked up to an Oprah, but our kids don't. You know, I respected a Jay-Z. My students tell me, Jay-Z, oh, you know, like, so it's like, we don't have, who is that next wave of people? We got Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B's. And yeah, and, and again, I respect their greatness. I respect who they are, but I teach kids and it's just like, we don't have enough of that non-talent driven success in the black community. Because what happens is, I already have a class called Ideas Versus Talent. Talents run out. Basketball mm-hmm. players get old. What sustains your wealth is the ideas. LeBron is who he is because of the ideas that have been cultivated as a result of his talent. He's building wealth on other levels. Jay-Z is no longer a rapper. He's a businessman because of the ideas. He either invested in his own or he invested in somebody else's. Talent will only get you so far. There is no billionaire that is solely there off of talent. And kids idolize talent. We don't have true icons that are as big as a Cardi B or things like that in the black community that represent ideas. Like I've been in billionaires' homes, you know, like people that are not African-American idolized, like, you know, in the Caucasian, I don't say industry, but like I've been in the homes of billionaires and every Caucasian person I know knows who this man is, but no black person will know who this is. I do because I'm a former Wall Street analyst. I think I know, I think I know who it is. We don't even know our own black billionaires. Yeah, That's so, true. so- That's a fact. So again, like Robert Smith, I knew Robert Smith was a long time ago because he's in the financial industry, Mm -hmm. but it took what he did for the black community, for the black community to see who he was. And again, like that's neither here nor there. It's just like what we idolize is what is in our forefront. We also don't control the news Mm -hmm. outlets. We don't control the media outlets. So I do believe a lot of that is done intentionally and it works. And I just feel like Oprah, despite who she is and what we can feel, 
represents what wealth could be. We can pass down wealth generation after generation with Oprah's money. And I feel like I want to be someone who can look like, because I talk to people and they just be like, how do you know all this stuff? Because I don't look like what I know. I don't look like my resume. And I like that about me. But it's just like, there are so many people just as vibrant that deserve to be seen, that deserve to be recognized. And I feel like a lot of us, especially black men, we hide. And again, I understand why the fear is around that. But if we really want to break generational curses, it's no longer just about you anymore. It's not about you. So for me, it's like you could put me out here, whatever I got to do. But it's, I feel like it's not fair. It's not fair if I hide who I am from the world when there's not that many people out there like that. And eventually one day there will be. But maybe I'm the first person that makes you realize you should go to therapy and then you'll probably build wealth the right way. Like You know, like and I think that's not talked about. And I think we're in a space to receive it, but I'm living it. So you can learn through my journey, my experience, and through whatever it is Empify creates to serve you. That's, a, that's the real mission of it. Not just like you said, the education is important, but if you really want to empower people and modify the way your habits really go down, you got to change the core. You got to do that work. I love that you shared that. And I did want to ask one last little gem related to something that you mentioned at the beginning. You mentioned the generation. Uh, if you skip a generation, you can avoid taxation. Can you mm. kind of explain how that works? Yeah, there's something called a generation skipping trust. Mm-hmm. This is, again, it might have changed, but back on my Wall Street days, if you put an appreciating asset inside of it, it's called a mm-hmm. BRAC, BRAC and a GST. I forget the differences. But if you put an asset into this type of trust and skip the generation, so give it to the next generation, any appreciation that it grows to, will be tax-free as long as it's given to that person. So I remember, I can't like legally disclose, but like there's a person who started a company and he put part of his company in a grant or GSC, one of those. They both go, whatever it is, they work together. Interchangeable. And that company got bought by a really big company for billions of dollars, billions. Like everybody knows about this big deal, but Mm -hmm. he took a portion of his ownership of the private company that got bought by the big public company. And because he skipped the generation, I watched him avoid like $67 million in taxes. Mind you, he made billions because of the transaction because he started the company that got bought by the big company. But I just watched how like, by this time, like this man, he like, Mercedes would like ship his cars. You know, he had a lot of money. Yeah. And you get to a point where you have too much money and you got to do something with it. Mm -hmm. Like you get to a point, you have to do something with it. So that's why they give it to charity. They put it in trust. They give it to the kids, 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 kids. They do all they do everything. And so once I saw that, it was just like, I mean, America is set up for you to not pay taxes. You just got to be on the other end of the fence. Like you have to be. And I just realized like all other people care about is not paying taxes and not losing their money. And I get it. But and then we get mad that wealthy don't pay taxes, but wealthy creates the jobs. So if you don't want to pay taxes, get on the other side because America was designed to for those who are in that position. It doesn't mean you can't be there. Again, we don't think we can because, you know, we're taught to go to school, get a job, and then you get mm-hmm. a job to pay for school. Like, that's how the American, don't forget, you gotta buy a house too. Like, America, as they tell you, you gotta do. Yeah, when it's like, that same wealthy person owns that bank that issued that debt and then invested in that mortgage-backed security that has your mortgage in it, and they're making money off of you, but they think, you know, I got a home, even though the bank owns it, and it's just like, yeah, this is equity, and it's just like, okay but again like this is what 
we need those types of people for wealthy people to thrive. I just feel like during my time here on this earth, I could just move the needle a little bit and bring some more people over there. But not everybody wants to do that. But for me, I did like, there's so many ways you can avoid paying tax. Like it gets deeper. When I saw that, I'm just like, this is the wildest thing ever because yeah. I knew the man, I knew the company, and you that this man, this company built, and the products and services of the company that bought his company. And I'm like, yo, this is wild. And mind you, I think the child that he gave the money to was like a little kid, <laughs> like a little kid. Like, That's it's wild. Like, and I'm just like, yo, he, everybody's just set up. And it's like, but I, I do believe that with other people, and one thing that I do respect about America and those who run it is they'll do everything in their power to protect their money. Everything. They don't care who you are, what color your skin, they're going to do everything in their power to protect their money. And in my mind, it's just like, well, let me teach you where they put their money. You could try to rig the stock market, but it's too many wealthy people in the stock. I mean, they're rigging the stock market now, but they're rigging the stock market to work in their And the whole market goes crazy. That is literally like the ultimate insider trading. But why would I get mad when my homies run the stock market? My homies run the companies. Like, we would do the same thing if we were in that same position. Mm-hmm. If you were president right now, you look out for all your homies. I don't care if they're illegal. They did some great bet. You would hold them down. It's human nature. So if you understand the human mind and take out the color of their skin, humans are going to be humans. If you had all your money on the line, you think that I'm going to let some culture change the law to impact my bank account? Come on, if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's. Who's that building that owns that company? Let handle that from you. I mean, have you guys ever watched the show Billions? Because Billions literally is a full depiction of how wealthy people function. Yeah, Billions is yeah, wild. Billions. <laughs> billions is wild. <laughs> Billions is a, literally, that is exactly how wealthy people think. That's exactly how they structure, exactly. And it's next level, but this is what I saw every day. And it's just like, that's why I just feel like you, you could change laws. You could do all the things that soothe your heart and, you know, do what makes it work for you. But when you have money, you have power. We don't need votes to put somebody in office. You need money to put somebody in office. Like, and Talk again, about. and I honestly feel like if we, focus on building wealth, the game will change. But that's not a priority in our community. It's a thought. It's a mm-hmm. desire. And we think there are other things around it when in all honesty, the people who run this country will do everything in their power to protect their money. And that's all you need to know. They're going to stay like, there's a reason that the Walton family is the Walton family. That name will forever ring bells. Always. There's a reason why Hilton is on that building. Like, if Fox was on that building, Money is sustained forever, forever, especially if I raise my kids around it. They got the same mentality, the same environment. It's natural. So we are living how we're supposed to live. We just aren't living in a space that aligns with who we say we want to be. Because the same people that grew up in the projects birthed the same babies that live in them same projects. And it's the same thing. Yeah, they got a wealth cycle and we got a poverty cycle. And I just feel like it's not a financial issue in America. It's a mental issue in America. When we can identify and recognize what poverty is doing to us, then we can ultimately shift that. Like I was in Harlem the other day, or just in places that are in the hood, and it's like trash all over the floor. Like everywhere. Like people throwing stuff out their windows. 
And it's like, is this is normal in their neighborhood? Like nobody give a fuck. Kids, no value. For that, this is all they know. Kids who never left Harlem look like what to live in one of the newest buildings in New York City. Like that's not my normal, but that's their normal. But you take somebody from those neighborhoods and bring them into your new normal, it's uncomfortable. That's not what they're used to. Like it's like if you swallow aluminum, your body's gonna throw it up because it's not used to consuming it. We will fight each other for our greatness. We will for our limitations. Like because it's not what we're used to. We gotta make success, love, and positivity our new normal. Like our ability to thrive in America, our new normal. But that's not normal for us. We're asking for respect. When in all honesty, we don't need anybody to love us. We don't need nobody to tell us that we matter. We don't need none of that. We've been mattered. We always matter. I know I matter. You don't got to tell me. And I don't care if anybody ever tell me. I don't care if the president get voted. I don't need you. Because you never did anything for me in the first place. And no, neither did any president in America at all. So honestly, like, why do I need your validation if I got my own? The problem is we don't have it ourselves. So we mm. want it. We need it. The problem external. is we also never got it from our parents. So we're looking for it. But what if you didn't care? What if Donald Trump ain't had nobody bother him? He wouldn't have nothing to talk about. If everybody loved him, he wouldn't have nothing to talk about. He wouldn't even be angry. He wouldn't know how to function. He wouldn't. And so it's just like, well, we give the energy and attention to the things that are not serving us because mm. that's just what we're used to. We thrive more in pain than we do in love. And it's like, mm. well, what if we just stop being angry? We just, look, this is where we live. Either you leaving or you're going to figure out how to win in this country. Because I know a lot of people that's winning. I don't care what color their skin is. You can play the same exact game that's being played. You can if you stop thinking it's not a game that you deserve to be in. You belong on this court. You can't tell me that you can't play this. I'm going to figure this out, whether I grew up with it or not. But not everybody has that confidence. I'd rather just watch the game than play the game. I'd rather just hope that I can be in the game one day than say, coach, put me in this game because I know I'm a star player. It takes a certain level of confidence to be that way. And not everybody has it. But if we do the internal work, we all got it. Like, we've been with it's not just built because we was popping. Like, to be honest, like, it was. So we just forgot. And I feel like my job is to just remind, like, you got this. Let me just show you. I put some money in your pocket so you can realize you're actually just like them. We, Jay-Z plays the same game. He uses them just like they use him. But look at where he's at. And he don't owe nobody a dime. He don't owe nobody nothing I'm at so all. You said that. Because that brings me back to that damn NFL like thing. Just, Whenever niggas got mad at that they shit. They always get mad at it. But Ashley said something that's so powerful. You be in that room. You be in that room. Watch Billions. It was an episode of Billions where Bobby Russell had tried to buy a football team. Well, they was a football team. It's a game, but you got to be able to be in those spaces to have that type of money. 
and we don't want to be in those spaces. And it's just like, well, why not? Maybe he needs to do it so that you realize you can do it and put people on. And it's not even like I put you on, it's open the doors for opportunities. Like right now, investing is truly, I read this article, like investing is like the new brand. You are a celebrity if you don't invest in the company. That's what people been doing. That's what turns a millionaire into a billionaire, private investments. Them deals that Jay-Z did with Title, with LVMH and things like that, like that's yeah. how you build, that's the real bag. That's buying stocks on another level because you got to have a certain type of money. So mm-hmm. before I can show you how to invest in a whole company that's private, go buy a stock that's $100. It's the same exact game. One just builds you well longer and you can build exponential wealth. Facebook didn't become Facebook because they were a publicly traded company. They were private first and then they mm-hmm. became public. The billionaire was created before the stock hit the market. And again, like now that like you got athletes investing, LeBron James investing, I want to own the company. That's phenomenal. Like that's what wealthy people have been doing. It's just now mm-hmm. getting people who are not celebrities who have that much money or an accredited investor to be able to say, hey, you can't buy and make a title, but I can invest in a title. I, don't, mm-hmm. I cannot build a liquor brand, but I can invest in a liquor brand until I get the money to be able to do so. And so, but again, like Jay-Z moves just like our Wall Street clients. I literally watch what he does. I'm like, oh, he's smart. I see what you're doing here. See what's going on. But again, you can't expect people to understand that because that's not a world they play in. I always watch Jay-Z and I'm just like, he act just like our client, like just like them. And he tries to tell you, he's just not ready to listen. And that's fine. But again, like, would you rather be you or him? Like, and I like, I mean, I respect it. I respect anybody's greatness. But if you're black and play the Wall Street game, like, you know the rules now. Like, it's different building an online business, making a couple million. But you can start doing private equity deals or the game is changing for you. Even like Nas. He's quiet mm-hmm. about his. He's a freaking genius. genius. Coinbase. Like, but again, we all can do that. A lot of us can do it on a smaller scale. A Cardi B can do that. But we weren't around that to even mm-hmm. know to know to do that. And I like that it's like investing is trendy now. Like, I mean, there are a lot of people in that space, but I don't care. Like, we can be more assistant. And it's just like, the onus is on us to believe that we could do it. But I mean, I love it. We made the most money when the market crashed last year. It's like, oh, now we want to listen. Now we know what now. Now actually, now you want to hear what I gotta say. Like, and I'm like, cool, fine with me. I've been waiting for the market to crash. I wanted to buy a bunch of stuff anyway. But like it was like everybody was ready to listen. But it's mm-hmm. interesting. Everybody's ready to listen when it's negative news. Nobody cares to pay attention when it's positive news. We thrive off of negativity. Like we thrive off of pain. We thrive off of hurt. That's what causes action. And I mean, I don't like it, but in my mind, if I could catch your pain and give you positivity, we could do some damage. We can make something great. And so, oh yeah. I love it. Take Come it. On, that man. goes back to that word modify. I really love it. you did a thing when you created that word amplify. I don't want to let you know that shit is powerful. That is a great word to make to just embody what you do. And speaking of Empify, if mm-hmm. I'm a person, I want to become involved with Empify, like, do you offer classes? Do you offer things that, like, because it seems to me Empify isn't just financial education. It's really helping you, like, address these issues through education. Right. Yeah. So I think where I am and we are, I think I'm at a point where I've done a lot of things very well. So, like, we've mm-hmm. taught in the school system. We've taught in the prison system. We've created online classes. You know, we have our wealth builders community. And now it's about building a 10-year game plan on how we can dominate in each space. 
And so I believe mm-hmm. at this point, hey, I want to learn how to build wealth. When you go to Empify.com and just learn about us. But mm-hmm. I believe like having our Wealth Builders community, which is WealthBuildersCommunity.com, it gives you the chance to like, I post meditation and I post articles and I'm posting what I'm going through. You know, people you're like, we're, we're about to launch our mentality and money book club. This is where you're going to get the real juice. Like, let me give you the mentality you need to then work on the education. Cause our app has over a hundred hours of financial education, tons of financial education, but it doesn't mean everybody's going to take it. We mm-hmm. need more of that empowerment piece. because That is where the change will come. And so for me, my biggest thing is reaching as many consumers as you can, because now we have over a thousand members, um, hasn't even been a year yet. And now it's just how do we get in front of more people, grow our community, love our community and immerse ourselves amongst each other. But we do have online classes. I got a bunch of guides. But now it's really like because like some people will come to me and say, like you said, like, you know, how do I invest for my kids? And it's like, boom, we got to create a pathway for parents and aunties and uncles who want to build wealth for their kids or that person who started but doesn't know, or that person that's in debt. And so like, we've hit every avenue of what we embody. Now I'm going from a founder to a CEO. As a founder hustles, a CEO delegates. And I'm at a point now where I've been everybody Mm. and I gotta get out of that space and run a company. This isn't something that I just do because I love it. It's something that we now need to scale. Like the fact that like we're, you know, there are investors that wanna talk to us. The questions they're asking me is just like, what is your engagement? What is your retention? Like we retain more than 90% of all of our members. Like they sticking around, but we got to be able to talk that language when we're talking to investors. It's like, what do we need to do to build that next Airbnb or Facebook where this is the place you go as an adult or a child all across the world to build wealth and no matter what language you speak? Because wealth is wealth no matter what country you're in. And it's just different mentalities and beliefs, but we all got the same inner core issues. I don't care where you're from or the color of your skin. And it's like, how do we represent all of that? And so mm-hmm. I feel like we give you sugar. So I look cute on the outside, but when you come on the inside, we giving you that medicine. It's like, I can tell you Warren Buffett does the same thing Jay-Z does, but I'm gonna tell you Jay-Z's story because that's the sugar you need. And then I can introduce you to a Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett isn't going to get you in, but I know what I need to do to bring you in. And I know the type of love I need to give you to stay. And at this moment, that's what the community does. Cause you know, it's great. You could buy a class, you could buy a guy, but you go back home to your same environment. But mm-hmm. when you wake up every day and you're reminded that you got to invest, that you're reminded that you're good enough, that becomes a part of who you are. And like our, mem- like our members say, talk like me, like they're investing like me. And it's like, it's a DNA that trickles down. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I just try to like, and amongst my team too, like you trickle this in. And so for me, building an environment where people feel safe and love to be able to be okay with doing something that they've been afraid to do their entire life. So the Wealth Builders community is like our biggest focus. When we get really good in the next one to two years, start to build the technology to provide that same experience, that same level of education for children. Because right now, programs we can implement in school system. But if you have a child at home, if the parent isn't in a Wealth Builders community app, they can't really get exposure to the things that we're doing. And so if I'm talking the next five to 10 years, it'll be both a brick and online platform where both adults and kids can build wealth. But we're sitting at the dinner table learning how to build wealth together. Mommy's not just doing it. She's not just doing it for us. I'm doing it with mommy. Mm-hmm. We're having a conversation and this becomes our environment. And so for me, it's just doing the best that I can to then become the best CEO of that business. And I think I'm at a space where it's like, baby girl, you got to get out of this because you can't, and I'm doing it. But you go from where I'm a founder and a CEO, like some days I'm going to do CEO stuff, but then you got to be in the business to make this thing still run. 
eventually I'm going to get out of it. And I think having investors and things like that will put me in that space. It is not a space I ever saw myself in, but to become and do what I'm trying to do, we can't play small. I need to be able to build a company that can be sold. Now, whether I sell it or not, don't know. But I want to be a company that a bank, I need you and your education platform because I can't get the people you connect with and I need them and they need us, but they won't talk to us without you. And I kind of want to be that middleman. I've been told, you know, we need to come up with our own accounts and, you know, I'm like, I ain't trying to be no next Robin Hood, you know, like, so there's tons of things that what we can evolve to. But in my space, we are an ed tech platform that shows adults and children how to build wealth. And our wealth builders community is how we reach adults the most. But we do have guys. So you go to Empify.com. Mm-hmm. We do have courses and things you can take. But I honestly feel like immersing yourself in our community is way better than just getting a guide or getting a course. It's actually more cost effective too if you do it that yeah. way too. So again, you need that consistent learning mm-hmm. and that consistent unlearning. And if you don't have an environment that supports that, it's very easy to say, hey, I bought my first stop and then forget about the process. You got to be around it so much until it becomes a part of who you are. And then it's you passing down that knowledge to your family. Mm. So Ashley, I got to ask you, for all Mm -hmm. our listeners, if they want to become a part of the well-building community, can we do us a little something special for, you know, maybe something off the first month, you know, get them in there? Um, We can. Okay, okay. Hey, look, y'all, I'll be looking out for y'all. I'm just saying, listeners, y'all got a shout out to you. Yeah, we can. We could do a 14-day trial. So I can get you guys a link where you can test us out, see what we like, head over to the education center. So we're a hundred hours of classes and we do weekly classes every single week, live classes. We're releasing a bunch of free guides and free resources. Our mentality and money book club is about to drop outside is open. So we're about to go back to doing in-person events. We're now in 38 different States and 10 different countries, but yeah, so you can come in, try us out. (laughs) Do you like us? What's it like? You know? But we're coming up on our one year. And now the biggest thing for me is enhancing our member experience. When you come here, I need you to know where to go, what to do. It was a point where our first community, we didn't have an app. We had a bunch of stuff, but it never lived in the app. Now we got a hundred hours of people like, well, where do I start? And it's just like, now we want to be able to direct you. What do you need to do? How can we do it? Here's where things are located. So that's one of our biggest projects now is the moment you come in here, we're going to tell you where you need to be, what you need to do. But now we also know what a one-year member should look like. After, you know, once you're in for a year, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is what we need you to accomplish. And now we're entering year two. And um, now we're talking more about intentionality. Now it's cool to learn how to swim, but I need you to get in the deep end. Now I need you to be intentional on where you're swimming, how you're swimming, and who you're around. Because it's cool to buy a stock. And I'm living in Paris off of stocks that I sold. I sold over $10,000 of my stocks. Jeff Bezos made me rich. He did that. I sold one of my Amazon shares. That was $3,400. He's the reason I'm saying at Five Star Hotels because I invested in some man who ran his company and all the other stocks that I bought, especially during the pandemic, I sold some of those stocks and I'm able to travel the world. I'm not coming out of my pocket. I'm living off some, some rich. Oh. Yeah, like that's that's what they did. Like Zoom, we don't look. Zoom, they they ain't paying for this trip too. My stock was up almost 200 yeah, percent Zoom, Zoom went crazy. Zoom hit a lick. Yeah, but again, like you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know like it's a lot of companies you use every day that's multi-million dollar, billion dollar businesses because of you. And it's just like well, which ones? Because yeah, I'm yeah, which ones? I need to own you. I knew Zoom was gonna take off. I don't think they're gonna, I think somebody might buy them. I think they might not thrive because you got all the heavy hitters that now like all right, Zoom, I see what's happening. We can build our own Zoom, right? So, mm-hmm. and I think they're too new to compete. 
but it was a great come up during that time. I'm, I'm not trying to bury you, Zoom, but it was cool while it lasted. Like, outside is open. Like, you know, like, you're not my lifelong stop, but you did the job and it definitely worked for me. But again, it's just like getting people into that space because it, I got in the Zoom less than $150. Oh, no, What's Zoom sitting there right now? Maybe two, three hundred. It wasn't. Like, it depends on the day, the time of the day. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I just zoom in a minute. Oh, you got me thinking though. Like they used to say, outside zoom back. Zoom three seventy two. And I know that's not their outside back. Hope you think Zoom finna take that little ride? Zoom's fifty two week high was five eighty eight. I got in there like one something. Ah damn. Absolutely, Zoom. Zoom paid for this. They paid for the whole, all of this, and again. It's like I said, if I can play small, buy a few shares, you can buy half a share and just keep on doing it. And I just feel like it's possible. But yeah, no, I can definitely get you a, a link. 14-day free trial. Test this out. Slide in my DMs. Talk to the WB gang members faster than I talk to everybody else. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, no, definitely. But hey, y'all, that's an exclusive. We're going to have that down at the show, though. So we appreciate Ashley for that, letting y'all, you know, come check out what y'all got in Amplify. I know it's a powerful community. After hearing this, I know a lot of people would like to be involved. So we appreciate that. Thank you. Y'all had any other questions y'all wanted to get into? Nah, I was going to go to what's in your world. Okay, Ashley, so we're going to She's been over here busting me (laughs) upside the head this whole time. This has been a powerful episode. Like I said, I've enjoyed this conversation. It made me think about myself. Ways that like some of the blocks make that me want to have. fly yeah. to Paris. Forget that. <laughs> <laughs> thinking in abundance versus thinking in that that locked in fear and pain mindset. But yes, 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 yes. Ash. So we want to ask you, what's in your world? What's something that you seen on social media while you was out and about? Maybe while you was walking down the street in Paris that you like it stood out to you. It made you feel away, and you just want to kind of speak on it. So it's actually funny. It's actually tied to what we're talking about. So I literally was just on social media, and Mary J. Blige was on a Breakfast Club. And Charlemagne mentioned, so her documentary, something just came out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I saw that it was coming out. And somehow Charlemagne started saying something around, it must have been a scene where she was talking to her little self. And I thought that was dope because one of the things that I do that I think a lot of people should do is something called inner child work. So your inner child is the little child inside of you, which is your subconscious, mm-hmm. who was the child that was hurt you know, talked about, like, think about, you know, that time when you, your parents beat you or something bad happened to you as a kid, nobody was there to support you or say, hey, you are great. It's okay. And so if you're not emotionally supported, you grow up with those same feelings. And Mm -hmm. so I guess in the scene, she was talking to her younger self. So Charlemagne was talking about it. She was like, yeah, you got to love your younger self. Like, you can't be mean to that person. She was like, because it's the little me. Like, I got to be there for that person. I got to love that person. And I think, I remember I did like an inner child meditation and I was crying. But it like, you had to like appear. And I read this book. I definitely recommend this. Guys, this might be a little tough and vulnerable for you, but I think it's worth it. But it's a book called Mirror Work by Louise Hay. And it's a 21 day book where like, you read literally like three or four pages a day, but you do things in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And one of the exercises is talking to your younger self. It get deep. You got to find a picture of you as your younger self. And you literally say, like, I love you. Like, I'm here to protect you. It's okay. And like, Man. literally, like, but the first yeah. 10 days of that book, I was in tears. But it made me realize you don't love the person in the mirror. And it wow. just made me think, like, one of the first exercises is, like, I love you, Ashley. I really love you. And you got to say it maybe, like, 50 times. And the deeper I got into it, I just started crying. And I'm like, 
in the mirror. And so when I heard Mary J. Blige say that to her and Charlamagne, because Charlamagne is really tapped in. He may not act like it, but he's totally tapped in. I can tell by the books he reads, he's tapped in. But one of the things we don't do is we're not there for ourselves. So like those moments when daddy wasn't there to support you or he didn't show up to that basketball game or something like that, you got to show up and be that parent for yourself. And so what she was describing was how she was becoming the parent of her younger self and loving her younger self, not being mad at her younger self. Because it's like the little you trying to cross the street. You don't know. You don't know yet. And it's like somebody's yelling at you and then you grow up feeling like you're not good enough. Like there are people who've been abandoned, people who didn't grow up with their parents, people who grew up with their parents, people who suffered traumas. As a kid, nobody's there to support you and love you. So you grow up as this same little kid. So if you think about just like men, like I don't want to like say black men, but like think about all the women who say, you know, black men are emotionless. Think about the household you grew up in. You're not supposed to, boys aren't supposed to cry. Boys aren't supposed to show feelings. You're supposed to be tough. Not realizing you're human. So don't say that you be emotional as a kid. How could you be emotional in a relationship? Mm -hmm. And it's like, so that young... Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That younger you never was allowed to cry, never was allowed to speak up for himself. So you grow up and it's you against the world now. And then again, like, that's your little self not being given the space to speak up. Or you trying to tell your side of the story and your parents tell you, shut up, like, now you voiceless or you grow up thinking you don't have a voice. And so when I saw that, it was dope to see Mary J. Blige say that. And so literally it makes me now want to watch her show or the movie or whatever it is. Cause I want to see like what she was saying. Cause there are times where like, so like one of the exercises my spiritual advisor has me do is she, she says like when I'm sad or just things that I'm going through just right now, your mind, your subconscious is like most vulnerable the hour before you go to sleep and that hour you wake up. So like your subconscious will internalize in like, everything the most right before you're about to go to sleep you go to like in like this hypnosis state so she's like right before you go to sleep write all the things you want to say to your inner child right so like yesterday for example i'm stressed out i'm overwhelmed i feel like i'm not good enough so she literally stopped me she was like what would you tell your little self feeling that way and so i'm literally it's crazy i like literally wrote it down she told me to like carry it and it's just like it's okay baby girl you got this like you're gonna figure this out you got a lot coming down the pipeline you know, figure this out every time. It's okay. So she was like, write it down and rip it off the book, take a picture of it and put it in your bag. Every time you had those thoughts, read that. And so I'm assuming in Mary J. Blige's show, she's saying those things to her little self because in all honesty, like, it's okay, baby girl, I got this. Like, we good. Like, I'm in charge now. Like, I know you're scared. I love you. I'm here for you. I'm the one that's going to hug you. And I just think that's powerful. And so when you read Louise Hay, her book, it's literally like, you got to like draw yourself with like, and if you, oh, it get deep. Like you write your little self a letter with your left hand because whatever that does to your, it gets really deep. But I know that when I talk to my little self, so when I would write those like things, like, I love you, Ashley, you are special. I believe in you. I'm telling you, every time I would write it, right before I would go to sleep, I would cry. And it makes you realize nobody has told you that before. And we are wanting it from other people, but we got to show up for ourselves. And so when you write things down, it does something to your subconscious. And when you read your own handwriting, it does something to your subconscious. So I do that. I be crying. 
I'm like, I'm gonna just go to sleep. And then I wake up in the morning and I read it. And she was like, do that for literally 21 days, 30 days straight. She says it's gonna be a game changer because you're like programming your mind to say it's okay. So those fears don't pop up as often. And they're definitely not dominating your thoughts. But I just thought it was cool because it was like, I literally saw somebody share it on their story, right? Mm-hmm. And when she shared the whole clip, right after that, the woman I was following, she posted a little picture of her. And she was like, this is my little you. And I was like, oh my God, you should read it. And I was like, you should read Mirror Work because that's all the book is about. But that's like who you're talking to in the mirror. So I just thought that was like really beautiful. Okay? But like doing that inner child work, like, because in all honesty, that's who our parents were. Our parents were younger mm-hmm. kids in an adult body. They did the best that they could because that's how they were raised and nobody was there to love them, protect them or heal them. So like, you know, like there are people whose parents weren't in their life, not because they hated you. They just didn't know how to be that parent. And we got to accept that it's not you that's the bad person. They did the best that they could their childhood. And I think whatever generation or person heals that, you having your children, now your little hurt child isn't raising another little kid. Now the adult you is taking care of a little child that you created. And I think a lot of hurt people are raising kids because we're just hurt on the inside, which rightfully so, but nobody wants to revisit. Like you got to go back and that person that beat you up in school that made you feel less than or that person that broke your heart, like it's not the person that did this. It's the feelings inside of you that were broken from the beginning that somebody has to love and support. And so when I, so now I'm going to tell you all about when I watched Mary J. Blige thing, but I don't know what she did, but whatever it was, she was talking to her little self. She was mm-hmm. like, man, you got to forgive your little self. Like, you didn't know. Like, I got to take care of me now. Like, and the coach was like, oh, girl. I just thought it was dope. That, I'm so glad you yeah, said that's, that. That's, 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 that's major. Like, that's bad. You said so mirror deep. work by Louise. Louise Hay. But listen, so I posted it on Instagram. It was the first time I started to really be transparent because I was crying. And I was just telling people what I was doing every day. It'd be some days. Like, I got the book with me now. I'm, like, scared to read it. I'm, like, I don't want to cry. Like, but it makes me realize, girl, what's wrong with the girl in the mirror? Talk to her. Love her. It's you. Like, and it's, like, well, you can't expect anybody else to love you. You don't love you. And I would post, like, I did this exercise. She tell you to say this 100 times. And I started crying. But she's done saying the book. After a while, you stop crying, and it starts to get easier. But by the time you get to day 21, it's like, you love the person in the mirror. And then I think, like, maybe, like, a month or two later, I did some other mirror exercise, like, on my own. And I was starting to get sad. I was like, I don't want to read the book again. Because I was sad talking to the person in the mirror. But I know it's going to be really tough for guys. Because guys are not as emotional Mm -hmm. as women. But I had a lot of people write me on Instagram. I bought the book. I'm buying a book. So then I think, like, I recommended another book. Some girl wrote me, like, girl, I'm not reading no more of your books. I've been crying too much from the last book that just sent me. Like, I'm still going to read that's hilarious we do that work uh, but there were guys that got the book too and i was like be ready and you gotta be okay with crying but you gotta think about it when were you human when were you allowed to release your feelings in the first place like like i mean i don't know about you guys it was a point where i mastered no tears like i was like i ain't crying i got too much stuff to do like you can't be seen as vulnerable you can't be seen weak but it's just like why is that associated with being weak when you're a human because what happens is when you don't release your emotions, all they do is just sit in you and you just get angry out of nowhere and it was built up anger. Mm-hmm. You yeah, gotta let that anger thing. out. And I think that was the beauty of having Trump as a president. This is the first time we were literally angry, like athletes were speaking public, up. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, that's the beauty of it because if we had Biden, 
now everything's okay. No, we got the same no, problems we had before. Okay. <laughs> but now we got okay, we can breathe. You can't breathe. You can't. You can't. Right? And I think that was the beauty of like a him or a Kanye West. It like caused us to be angry. Like, look all of that. Oh, we can angry for you to be for so long we've been angry and we just think it's cool to just walk around angry but we raise our kids with that anger raise our kids with that pain let it out like and i think that was the one beauty of his term he forced people to see what america truly was and we spoke out about it we got angry about it things changed as a result of it and it's just like well maybe we just need to get angry all the time until we have no more anger left and then we could just be at peace but until then like now we think everything is cool just like no the same the same stock market is rigged. The same school system is broken. The same police is still running the street. Like, so again, I didn't really care for him or any president. But I'm like, well, at least we angry because we've been quiet. The last time our community got angry, angry to that magnitude. Rodney King. We, we just think like my generation, like our generation, like, like we grew up in a segregated school. Like our parents had every right to be angry. But because it was a little quiet, we thought everything was cool. Okay, so get anger out, break stuff, protest, do whatever you got to do because that's therapy for people. Or rather, you release and internalize. Because again, like we holding that stuff in, like mm. like it's literally like a, you shaking up a soda bottle. So I got open that top and let it out, like because we literally oh, just bottling all that stuff up. Mm. But again, you can do it in therapy. Everybody has their own release, like. Therapy, you can do whatever you want, but I just feel like we have conditioned ourselves not to feel like feel like it's okay to be sad, it's okay to be angry, like feel, but it's not cool to feel, and it's definitely not cool to feel as a man. Like, how dare you? Like, how dare you be emotionless? Well, like, well, I was emotionless too, like, until I wanted to be emotional, then I had an emotional partner, <laughs> like, but it's like, I'd rather you be emotional than emotionless, like. You know what it's like raising a daughter? Like my dad was a cop, like literally, like I went to therapy and like, I've been, whatever it is, I've been diagnosed with emotional abuse because he doesn't know how to be emotional or love. You know what it's like to be raised by a man who you think doesn't love you? Because he doesn't know how to love. Like, I mean, he's a crime scene investigator now, but as a cop, you're not supposed to be soft. You're supposed to act like you got it all together. You're supposed to be mean. He just came into his household just as angry but I'm a girl. And now it's just like, well, my dad was here, but I also didn't think my dad loved me because he doesn't know how to say I love you. You get what I'm saying? Like, and it's like, because of his profession, but he also grew up in that era. You can't be a black man raised in the sixties and be soft. But what is soft even mean? Like, I wish my dad was soft because I wouldn't have felt like I was never good enough because I would have felt like the man who raised me loved me, but he didn't know how to love. Like, so I, he emotionless, I'm emotionless. I dealt with emotionless guys just like him. It's just like, it's just this cycle of trauma being passed down. And so I realized like, hey, maybe I am worth loving. Maybe it's okay for not, maybe they're emotionless because I am, I'm trying to not cry, but I want him to feel feelings. And then when I changed all that, the whole game changed after that. But I had to get to that point to realize like, damn, daddy hurt you. Like my dad was in my life, but he hurt me. But again, how was he raised? He was emotionally abused too. So he raised me how he was raised. But that little Ashley, nobody was there to say, you are good enough. Like, I love you. Like, you're not stupid. But I grow up thinking I'm stupid. Like, I'm not good enough because nobody was there for the little Ashley. But now it's like, you can't expect your dad to be that person. You got to be that person for you. So when I saw her say that, it was just like, 
Dang, I be talking to my little Ashley all the time. I write her letters. I talk to her. We cry together, like all type of stuff. But it's like, it's crazy, but it is healing. Because now I'm able to see when those unworthiness thoughts come up. Like, ah, little Ashley, I know why you like that. I know you were raised that way, but it's okay. I got you, girl. And you be gentle. And then eventually that little child grows up. And at some point, I'm hoping that they become an adult just like you. And they just, you know, they're not there no more. She got a little older, but like, ooh. But yeah, no. I thought that was very powerful. So I'll let you guys know when I watch it. Because it was literally just a clip on a Breakfast Club interview. Nah, that's, yeah, appreciate yeah. you for sharing that. That was very powerful. And I'm going to check out that book. Yeah, Got to try it. I'm going to write my little Halen. Keep me focused. I, I, I would love to talk to a man about that because. I was born. I'm really going to do it. Like, I'm going I'm to really do it. So I will definitely be in contact with you about it. Yeah, no. If, I, if I'm I, over here crying, though, no. I'm be like, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, I had a friend who got pulled over by the cops. And I think he, like, cried about it. He was just scared. He, he didn't do nothing wrong. But it was just, like, the narrative that Black men have around cops. And it's just, like, I mean, he Yo, just cried. And I'm like, go ahead, keep crying. Keep crying. Like, keep crying. It's okay. When are you ever allowed to cry about it? Like, you got all that bottled up. Like, I ain't shit. I had a partner who cried all the time. In the beginning, it was a little weird because I grew up with a rough dad. They was just like, no, keep going ahead. I'll give you your space. Go ahead. Like, I had to find the heart to cry in front of him because I, you know, I, I'll cry by myself. I don't cry all the time in front of people. But it's like, well, what's wrong with you? Like, embrace it. Because I ain't about to raise no babies with a bunch of anger inside of me. Like, get all this out. Get it out. I want it out of my system. So I love to talk to a guy who read that. Like, and how, what is it like, like, to talk to your inner child as a man? Like, especially a black man. Like, I don't know. I just think it's really cool. But I have a really good friend who has issues with cops. And we got to the root of why he got issue with cops. We got to the root of it. And it's just like, look at that story that happened as a kid. And mm. society and TV nurtures it. But in all honesty, they was, you know, like, and again, like, I don't got to get in the cops, but it was just like, let go of that story. Like, let me go because I done did some stuff, you know, like, and it's like, you giving off the same energy. It's like, what if you came that way with love? Like, what if? But again, you know, I was raised by a cop. He talked to us. They don't sit there and That one person that shot at them that did that, they think everybody's like that now. Like, so they are fear for their lives that everybody is uh, attacking them. So again, like everybody got their own inner child. They mm -hmm. all got to be loved. They all got to be protected, no matter who you are, what generation, what age, what nationality. And I just feel like we just got work to do. That was a beautiful message that you just shared, Ashley. And like I said, like Jalen just mentioned and I just mentioned, I know this is something I'm going to do. I already got the little picture that I'm thinking of me as a child. I don't want to use <laughs> my picture you, you, too. You, you, in the book, you have to find one. You put it on your mirror. And it made me realize, and I didn't really do it, which reminded me. I wanted to put that picture everywhere I go. Because every time a feeling popped up, it reminds me that's who's feeling that way. Not Big Ashley. Big Ashley got this. Little Ashley. So I found one on the internet, but I had, you know, like it's digital. I got to go print it. But I'm glad we talking. I'm going to put it on my list. I'm going to find a printer. And literally put that picture everywhere and just like, it's you. Don't be mean to yourself. It's okay. That little girl needs you. And we know that those thoughts are coming from that little girl. She's the scared one. She's the one that's sad. It ain't the big Ashley. It's the little one. Go be there for her. And then eventually she grows up. But you know, listen, the first 10 days are rough. If you stick with it, she's right. You get to a point, I'll be like, I love you, Ashley. Uh-huh, go ahead, Ashley. I love you, girl. But in the beginning, oh my God, I love you. And I was I, 
and it gets deeper, but towards the end, you be like, I got this. Like, it's really cool. It's a really, really good book. And Louise Hay, she's like the goat of all of this. She like trained everybody. But yeah, no, it's a good look. Look, we can, we can set up a little yeah, we'll, we'll power on the side. We'll, we'll I want to know. I never talk to a guy. Like, I never talk to a guy. Like, that actually, I had a part of the work, but ain't like really see it through. Like, and, and again, that's his path, his journey, but I would love to like, look, let's talk about it. I want to know, because I just think, I think it's deeper for a man. Mm-hmm. I, I personally believe a black man is the most feared man in the world. So to know every day you got to wake up and like, hey, your armor on, like you can't even be open. Like you feel like, but as you thinking, you got to live in fear because of what society has conditioned you to believe. What if you didn't have to be in fear anymore? What if nobody's out to attack you? Like, and it's like, can you prove that you're going to get attacked tomorrow by a cop? You can't prove that. So don't put that out in the universe. Like you would, if it's okay. So again, I don't think there's another layer of trauma that, goes on every day just as a black person but especially a black man especially now with the internet that is just like nobody talks about it and they damn sure don't cry about it either and i mean look we gave a whole we we have to do a part two especially after we do our 21 day challenge we're gonna have to do a part two because i definitely want to have that conversation with you i think it'll be beneficial for everyone so no i think that's good i want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast can you please let everybody know where they can follow you on social media? Once again, like they want to work with you, anything like that. How can they get in mm-hmm. contact with you? So on social media, I'm at underscore Ashley M. Fox or the Wealth Builders community. And you also go to Empify.com. And I respond to all my messages. I don't always respond when you send it, but I do respond to every message that I receive. Hey, <laughs> so I know that's a task within itself. Your <laughs> DMs get crazy. Yeah, I do my best to respond to everybody for sure. Oh, that's what's up. I appreciate it. And before we get out of here, everyone, we do go and hop into our little house cleaning items as always. want to say thank everyone for listening to the Black Wealth Renaissance podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the previous episodes, make sure you leave that five-star rating and review. Mm-hmm. If you are new here, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow Ashley. Make sure you tap in with everything she's got going on. We got this awesome exclusive free trial thing going on with BWR. So y'all make sure y'all take advantage of that. Don't just waste the opportunities being given to you. We've talked a lot about that work getting done on yourself and that work that she's doing is going to help you a lot with that. Other than that, we also have our own community, BWR Academy. Join BWR Academy. Number one school for personal finance and accountability. Come in there. Come join our community. Similar to Ashley's group, we are a family there, and we just educate. We educate, yeah. elevating, and working through these things in real time. So you can join BWR Academy at BWRAcademy.com. Jalen, y'all had anything y'all wanted to nah, say? man, this is a great episode. I'm going to get that book. Hey, that's it, huh? Yeah, man. That's it, that's it. That's all that's on my mind right now. <laughs> Let's go do some work I, on ourselves. I'm Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.